0: great and um, I will tell you this a tsunami of spiritual hunger is coming upon our nation we're seeing it everywhere every restaurant I go to every person I invite to church virtually every person I invite they come to church I was yesterday at um, the Iron Man breakfast and just a line of men talking to and one said I was in a AA meeting Thursday night, and someone from your church was there. And they were talking about what God's doing at this church, and I just had to come. They're probably here this morning. They said they were going to bring their wife and children. And there is a tsunami of spiritual hunger, and it would be selfish for us to not open the gate a little wider to let more people come in. Amen? So what that also means is Wednesday nights, we have made this tough decision. We will not meet on Wednesday nights for adult or children's programs. The only group meeting on Wednesday nights on campus will be the student ministry with our new student pastor. And um, just by way of report, we're so thrilled at what God's doing in our next generation ministries. If you were here Friday night, the performing arts camp and then the performance Friday night was truly amazing. Thursday night, listen to this, on their third meeting, there were 90, literally, exactly, 90 people here for our young adult college age ministry. Isn't that incredible? Just incredible. We're like not near a college town, you know, unless you consider Georgia Perimeter College. College. I guess it is, so maybe we're in a college town. But you can go online, so you don't have to be in a college town. Um, so Wednesday, all of you parents who have students, middle schoolers and high schoolers, make sure you get them here. All right, Is that everything? Did I miss anything? I think. Oh, big big announcement. Uh, tomorrow night is another RCA preview event, and that's our school, the Roswell Community Academy. And um, a lot of great work being done, a great leadership team. They'll be meeting again tomorrow. Help us spread the word. Share all the posts on social media. God's raising up a good group of families. It's going to make up that um, educational experience. I feel like we need to pray, so let's pray. Lord, we come to this time in your word, just getting all the logistics out of the way and coming into your presence. I pray, Lord, your word is already alive, but may it come alive in this room. And that means may our hearts just resonate with your word right now, Lord. And we, we just thank you. Thank you for the anointing to preach and to teach, to lead spiritually, Lord. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by your spirit. It's what you said in your word. So come on, everybody. We just invite you, Holy Spirit, just come into this room and make this time so meaningful and productive. Might it be the next, the next 45 minutes. May, may it be the most important 45 minutes of our week, Lord. And we give it to you, this first part of this first day of the week. So come, Lord, anoint and bless. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to finish this three-week series this morning called Random Thoughts on Division, Unity, and True Power. We've been talking, as you know, about the Tower of Babel. And there's three lessons that we're going to distill down from what I've said the last few weeks. And then we're going to take a look at what the book of Revelation in chapter 17 says about Babylon the spirit of Babylon and what he says about the last day's church and I want to begin so I'm gonna I don't know how many scriptures are in this sermon today but it's a lot so just everybody get ready okay Um, do you do you realize how fiercely God loves you like he's so passionate the most powerful force in the universe is God's love toward mankind. And I think sometimes when we teach and do ministry and become a church family, we get into all the other things, but the basis of his love for us that we sang about today is so necessary in our understanding. And there's literally hundreds of scriptures. He says it over and over in the Word. Isaiah 62 says, as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, which I want us to, Remember that the bridegroom, as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so does he rejoice over us. Psalm 117, for great is his love toward us. Jeremiah 31, he says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I've drawn you with loving kindness. Exodus 20, as I said earlier, you must not bow down, God says, to them or worship them, these false gods, for I The Lord your God am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. Aren't you glad he's jealous for you? He's possessive of you. John 15, Jesus has the audacity to say this. As the Father has loved me, the quality, the intensity that the Father loves me with, I love you with that same quality of love. It's really an incredible thing. Now, considering that love, there's an issue. Jesus said in John 10:10 10, 10, that we have an adversary, and he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He got kicked out of experiencing the love of God in heaven. He has an angst with God, and the only way he can get at God is to get at us. And he comes to steal, kill, and destroy God's work, his plan His future in our lives. Jesus said, I came that you'd have life and have it abundant. But because we have an adversary whose hatred is almost as intense as God's love for us, we get caught up in spiritual warfare. And that's what we're seeing right now manifested like probably never before in our lives. Ephesians chapter 6, this is why Paul said, We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against, listen to this, evil rulers. These are wicked forces that have authority. Rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. I think might be referring to the airwaves. You know, satellite dishes could be. I think Paul might be talking about the mainstream media right here. He might not, probably not, but I just... Feel sometimes that they're not for us. You know what I mean? And so, and, and I want to just say, I know we know all this, but in this season right now, the enemy would love for us to make this personal and to make it against people, and it's not. The evil that's being done, the new Ken and Barbie doll that are coming out, where Ken is pregnant, um, that a person couldn't be that stupid. That is a, oh, you have that picture. And look what, children across the U.S. will soon have Barbie and Ken doll expecting a baby. Except the Barbie is not going to be the one who's carrying the baby, it's Ken. And look what the CEO, I think it's of Mattel Toys, Andrew Shaves said that pregnant men have been in the shadows for too long. You think? I'm one of those. I've been a man, if, if. That it's time to change that. This is a spiritual warfare and they are targeting children from every single angle. Have you noticed it this month? We've made a request. We're going to see if we can just take one day from the Pride Month next week and celebrate Father's Day. I think, they're, I think we're going to be able to pull that off. Y'all getting quiet on me, but it's okay. <clears throat> it's warfare. And it's not a... Here, here, here I go. It's not a Democrat or Republican thing. It's a good versus evil thing and they're both pretty good at being evil and misled and deceptive and cowards and spineless and greedy and selfish can I thank you Tony (laughs) takes an Italian in here to to get us going but we're in this warfare so in the warfare We've, we've got to get some understanding. And this is why Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. There's things they don't know that they should. And so they get knocked off their feet and it destroys them. And Jesus, this is why he said in John eight thirty two, but you will know the truth. You will have knowledge. And that knowledge will be what brings you a life that is free, it will set you free. How many of you are thankful that you have the spiritual knowledge that you are an overcomer? And in this warfare, you know what you need to know and you know who you are, you know who's in control of your life and you know what the end of the story says. Your knowledge tells you, I can have faith to trust him that his word is true. Y'all out there, amen? Now, bringing That is a setup for us. We're in warfare, and people die because they don't have knowledge to understand it. We come to the Tower of Babel again, and I'm not going to read it for the third time this this morning, but I, I do want to just recap. Just remember in Genesis 11, in Genesis 9, after the flood, God said to these people, Noah's sons and their families, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the whole earth. He was explicit spread out and two chapters later here they are again rebelling against that and they go no we're not going to spread out we'll stop right here and then they said let's make ourselves a great city let's make for ourselves a great city and let's make a name for ourselves so that we can be respectful respected and we won't be scattered all over." there's an insecurity a vulnerability if we can't make a name for ourselves And then God is impressed with their ability to work together even though the project they're working on is an evil one. And God sees that them working together in unity, even unified around an evil purpose, that could threaten this whole deal again. And God comes down and he confuses their language, they no longer understand each other And then he separates them, and he divides them, and then they begin to fill the earth. And many people, as I've said the last two weeks, see the the Tower of Babel as a story where we got the languages and the races. And we did, but that is a small part of the story. That's not the main part of the story. And so this morning, I want to identify three lessons that we learned from the Tower of Babel. The first one is this. Sometimes God separates people. Sometimes God divides people. And it's not any other force that brings about the separation, but it's God. He's at work. In Genesis 9, as I said, they were told, go spread out, All over the earth, in Genesis 11, they said, nah, we like it right here. It it could have been a nice piece of property. It was probably something like that. And they're like, let's stop right here. And let's build a tower here. Make a name for ourselves here. Ignoring what God had told them to do. And it was in that, that they disobeyed what God had told them. They didn't follow his omniscient instructions. They rebelled and paid a price for it. And, and God, he separated, he blew up their plan. They had a unity and togetherness in their ambition to build something in their own strength. So God divided them. And I would say to you this morning, are you in any area of your life, are you yoked up with anyone who is not obeying God's word in relationship or in, or in business practice? Or are you too closely connected to someone that doesn't value the instructions of the omniscient one? Why do I say that? Because God is going to be working. He's already even told you in his word that you shouldn't do that. So there's going to be a force in your life. If you stay connected to people who don't honor God's word, there will be a force in your life that will bring about chaos that will bring about confusion. There'll be points that you don't understand, and it it can cost you greatly. And the Lord, now, so I, I just feel a check in my spirit. If you're here today, and you're married to someone, and you've yoked up with them in marriage, and you all don't see eye to eye, and you value the word at a different level than they do, that you're yoked up until death do you part. And there's other conditions that bring about an, an a spiritual blessing for you to be able to separate, but God's not going to be working to separate that union. But let me move back over here to where I am. Some of us get confused because of the way God works in our life, and he blows up some of our plans. And I just want you to know, I think some of what's happening in the world right now is God is bringing about a shaking that's causing people to be divided and to be separated in this good versus evil season of spiritual warfare. And I just wanna encourage you, if you are the one that values the word, keep doing that, because there's life in honoring the word. And you know how much I love the Bible, not just because I'm a preacher, but since I was a kid, I fell in love in my high school years with the Bible. And the Bible, everybody please hear me. The Bible is life, Psalm 19, verses seven through 11, says, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right. They give joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are not just commands. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. How many of you have found the reward of keeping God's word? Both of us. Praise the Lord. How many? Of... Psalm 119, which once a month you should read Psalm 119. What is 170 some verses, 160 some verses. Look what verse 92 and 3 say. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. When that warfare I went, if I I had not delighted in your law, I would have perished. I will never forget your precepts. For by them you have preserved my life. If you love the word, somebody ought to just say amen this morning. (laughs) Jesus in Matthew 4, verse 4, he said, he answered and said, It is written, this is how he dealt with the massive temptation from the enemy. Man shall not live on brand alone, but man lives on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so this morning, I ask you, are you yoked up with someone who who influences you to stray from the word? Are your people, people of the word? If so, great. Keep hanging with them. If not, get away from them like from an angry skunk. People need to be yoked up with other people who love God's word. And if you're fighting to stay connected to some situation that is not honoring God, that's rebelling against God, you're actually fighting against God. And so, Father, we just welcome you and your move into situations in in all of our lives where our children are yoked up with people they don't need to be yoked up with. In all of these situations, we don't want to be destroyed for lack of knowledge. So we welcome your separation, your sifting process in the name of Jesus. The second lesson that we learn from the Tower of Babel is this. Sometimes they are wrong. Sometimes. Verse 3, it says, they begin saying to each other, let's make some bricks. Have you ever met they? Verse 4, then they said, hey, come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous, they said. A couple years ago, they said, if we lock down everything, we can flatten the curve. How many of you know they, we figured out who they was, and we stopped listening to they? And I don't mind saying it. And and there's times we need, I'm not trying to be cute, I'm trying to be, get a point across. There are times we need to know they are wrong. And you better learn how to stand up against they when they are wrong. You know, I wonder, was there anybody when they said, we're going to build a tower and it's going to take all of us. And it's a big plan, and everybody got involved. I wonder, was was there anyone who thought, we shouldn't do this? I'm sure there was some wife trying to tell her husband, you need to stand. If Candace had been there, she would have said, Chuck, don't, don't do it. You need to tell them they are wrong. Two chapters. Two chapters earlier, he told us what to do. This is not what he told us to do. So we need to do what he said, not what they are saying. And in this hour, I know this is simple, like youth group preaching, but the message translation in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, says this. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. Come on, put your hands over both ears right now. Just, Lord, teach us to be able to listen to your voice, to hear your voice, oh, Lord. Holy Spirit, fill us up with discerning grace, O oh Lord. Help us to know, Lord, the difference between their voice and your voice. And teach us when their voice is, is either neutral or it's not evil, that we can honor and listen to whoever they are. But, Lord, our whole culture It's building a tower and we, we know, Lord, that you are calling us to stand against it and that we will be persecuted when they hear that we don't agree with them. Give us ears to hear, Lord, and the faith to stand up against it in the name of Jesus. Oh, I feel his anointing in here this morning. Hallelujah. This is last day's boot camp training. Here we are. The third and final thing that we're going over this morning is that the lesson that we need to learn is that the Tower of Babel is about Babylon. I know I've said this the last couple of weeks, but I just feel so strongly in my spirit as your pastor to encourage you to understand this. And I'm going to spend the our remaining minutes teaching you this and what the Bible says about Babylon. Listen to me. And its impact on the church and its influence on her, the church, to not be loyal to our bridegroom who is coming for a pure and spotless bride. We need to understand the Tower of Babel isn't just about a concept and a plan to build something. It's about a place that births a spirit. It's about pride. It's about power. And I've told you, all of our education, most of our pursuits in our culture are about getting more power or prestige. Most writers, most theologians say, Babylon is about this, greed and self-indulgence. About wanting more and wanting to satisfy my flesh. And the levels of immorality that are permitted in a culture where it's get all you can while you can. Do whatever you want to satisfy your flesh. That is an evil place. Babylon is when the state has gone mad. When the culture is off the rails. It's about pride. It's interesting, isn't it? As we find ourselves here in a month called pride. And we've never seen it at these levels. Greed, immorality, self-indulgence. Verse 4 says, let's build a great city for ourselves. Let's make a name for ourselves. Be famous. The Tower of Babel is about Babylon. Babylon is a system. It's a spirit of greed and self-indulgence. Now, I am going to take us to Revelation 17, where we'll finish. And then we're going to to pray together here at the end. In Revelation chapter 17, everybody listen. it's, It's vacation season, and here Pastor Chuck is taking us to the book of Revelation. Come on! Can't we go to Proverbs or the book of James or something? Sermon on the Mount. It's necessary for us to do this. And it's incredible the truth that we see in this book. And I dare you to listen and to catch what the Spirit of the Lord is saying this morning. Revelation chapter 17, it's speaking of the last days. And in chapter 17, the religious system or the church, the ecclesiastical system is what's being judged or how it will be in the last days. It's interesting. Chapter 18. The political system and the economy. Of the last days is judged. It's really interesting stuff. Considering everything that's going on. It's remarkable. And then from chapter 13. I know there are people. Who've been in church for many years. And you've never even heard about the mark of the beast. God forgive us for not even teaching about it. This this morning is not about that. But. I want you to be prepared. Don't ever take a mark, 666, six, six. any way they try and apply it to your body. There, I said it. And there needs to be more teaching on it. And if we can't be at least have our eyes wide open going we're in a season where we thought growing up, I, I, I would never do that. And, and we have a system, the, the forerunner, the, the, the preamble, wow, what's going on has made it ripe for billions of people to go ahead and just take it and not even know what it is. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. That's what the Bible says. In Revelation 17, God is talking about the last day's church. Listen to me. The scene begins with an invitation where one of the angels in verses 1 and 2 asked John, the writer of Revelation, to come and see what God will do to the beasts, Satan's worldwide religious system. I didn't know he had a worldwide religious system. Oh, he has an influence. in In fact, you can trace all religions, their roots can go back somehow to Babylon. And he says here that God will, judge the the beast worldwide religious systems and listen to me listen to me four times in this chapter the woman the church the woman represents the church she is called a harlot or prostitute and her sin is adultery or fornication and i know this sounds pg13 at least but the bible is saying in the last days that the church will be like a prostitute, a harlot. She won't be clean. She won't be ready for the coming of the Lord, her bridegroom. Following this invitation in verses 1 and 2, John describes the harlot, the church. Verses 3 through 6, look look what it says. So the angel took me in the spirit into the wilderness. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast Who's the woman? What she represent? Church. Everybody say it. Who's the woman? Church. And what is she sitting on? A scarlet beast. The beast that had seven heads and ten horns and blasphemies against God were written all over it. The woman wore purple and scarlet. Look at the picture of the church come riding in on the beast in the last days. Dressed to the nines like a harlot. The woman wore purple and scarlet clothing and beautiful jewelry made of gold and precious gems and pearls. In her hand, she held a gold goblet full. What was she drinking? Obscenities and the impurities of her immorality. And look at verse 5. I referred to this last week. A mysterious name was written on her forehead. Babylon the Great, the mother of all prostitutes and obscenities in the world. All right, everybody listen. Listen. So you see, in the last days, the church of the world will be come riding in on the, the power to transport the enemy, the beast. She will come riding in on him, and there will be a mysterious name on her head. Babylon, the mother of all prostitutes. I've got my finger here in my notes. I just want to. I mean, think about what does a prostitute do? She satisfies greed and and self-indulgence. And that's not just for sexual immorality. We prostitute a lot of things, our talents, our skills. And we give to get. And we operate under a spirit of Babylon that is dangerous. My people die. And I could break that down in a lot of ways. And sometimes we let people satisfy our greed and we give them what they want so they can be self-indulgent because them satisfying our greed indulges ourself and our flesh now verse 5 a mysterious name was written on her forehead babylon the great mother of all prostitutes and obscenities in the world i could see that she was drunk drunk with the blood of god's holy people who were witnesses for jesus i stared at her in complete amazement Verse 7, why are you so amazed, the angel asked John. And John says, I will tell you the mystery of this woman, of the beast, she says. And look what verse 9 says. This calls for a mind with understanding. All right, everybody picking up, are y'all tracking with me? You think this calls for a mind with understanding? It's a privilege to be alive in the last days. It's also a privilege to be filled with His Spirit, in love with His Word, and have knowledge and understanding of what's going on. Are y'all out there? Because I'm not dismayed. My challenge is to continue preaching what God's Word says about that. This is that. To people who or hearing it oftentimes for the first time. That's my challenge. My challenge isn't the fear or the, the fear of being overwhelmed. My challenge is to, oh, to prepare the daughter of the church, to prepare the bride for the bridegroom. I raised two girls, and I did everything I could to prepare them for their bride. And I've got a, I've got a bride of a bunch of people here, and that's my job. This calls for a mind with understanding. Let's go back to verse five, though. A mysterious name was written on her forehead. Babylon, the great mother of all prostitutes and obscenities in the world. The New King James Version says it like this. On her forehead, a name was written. Now listen, mystery. Her name, the New King James says, mystery. And then it's all in the New King James. It's all in upper, it's in, Caps, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and the abominations of the earth. Listen to me. The woman's name who represents the church in the last days is mysterious or mystery or her name is a mystery. Why? Because she's the bride of Christ and yet she's the mother of all prostitutes and she's got the name Babylon written on her head that's a mystery so we need revelation and understanding and then throughout the new testament listen a mystery is a hidden truth that only spiritually mature or discerning or spiritually motivated people can or even want to understand Are y'all picking up what I'm putting down? To grasp one of God's mystery requires a certain spiritual intelligence and discernment. The readers of Revelation in John's day, in the first century, they would identify the prostitute with the Roman Empire. Readers throughout the Middle Ages, the 500 to 14 or 1500 AD, they would have identified it as the Roman Catholic Church or the, the Roman ecclesiastical system of religion. Today, Warren Wearsby says this please listen closely. This is a bomb. Today, we see the harlot or prostitute in the Babylonian system in an apostate church that does these things, minimizes doctrinal truth, rejects the authority of Scripture and tries to unite professing believers on some other basis than faith in Jesus Christ. Does that sound like what we're dealing with today anybody? I mean, talking about pegging it 20 years ago. In every age there is an almost in every age there's an almost irresistible pressure to conform to the popular way people are doing religion and to abandon the fundamentals of the faith. Satan's counterfeit religion is subtle, requiring spiritual discernment to recognize. And listen, it was Paul's great concern, even in the New Testament, that the local churches, please hear me, brothers and sisters, be founded, that the churches that he founded, not be seduced away from Their sincere devotion to Christ. I'm going to read a couple passages of scripture. Because I started this message talking to us about how much God loves us. He's expressed it in Jesus. We just sang about building our lives on that fact. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul says, I hope you will put up with a little more of my foolishness. Please bear with me for I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. You happily, listen, does this sound like our church? The church in this nation? You happily put up with whatever anyone tells you. Even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach or a different kind of spirit than the one you received, or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. Paul tells Timothy, and I read these very familiar passages of Scripture, because these are the things, brothers brothers and sisters, we must be aware of. He tells the young pastor in what it will be like in the last days, in First Timothy 4, verses 1 and 2, he says, Now the Holy Spirit clearly tells us, In the last time, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars, and their consciences are dead, or they're seared. They no longer have feeling in those nerves. Second Timothy chapter 3 the words of Paul again. He says, You should know this, Timothy. First, that in the last days there will be very difficult times, for people will love only themselves and their body. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. God comes to divide and separate us. I've said it over and over. I think this is much of what God is doing in the church. There's a mercy and a grace that's been released in this COVID season where people are being exposed. And it's heartbreaking. Some of our spiritual heroes. One of mine never would have guessed it. Verse 6. They are the kind, listen, listen to how apropos this is, they are the kind who work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Such women are forever following new teachings. They're vulnerable, but they are never able to understand the truth. These teachers oppose the truth, just as Janice and Jamris oppose Moses. They have depraved minds and a counterfeit faith. That's a dangerous combination: depraved minds and a counterfeit faith. But they get—they won't get away with this for long. Someday, everyone will recognize what fools they are, just as with the other two, with Moses. Now, I—I I struggle bringing sermons like this, especially in the summer. But I don't think we have time. I don't think we can go, let's go into vacation mode. You know, I'm I'm giving this thing all I've got, and I love the Lord. And there's an anointing and a passion that runs like I can't quit. I've never been more fulfilled. I'm more fulfilled. I've never been as more fulfilled. I've never been more at rest, at peace. So I'm not like running low on fuel. We, what God is showing me, I must bring. We don't know what July and August and September are bringing. And you know I'm, ba- I'm doing everything I can to balance all this stuff. We're not going to be politically uninvolved or disinterested. I think we have a responsibility to tell people the truth as best we can without being political to the point that we think D.C. will fix all of our problems. D.C., the White House, cannot. And we know who can, and he can. I played a thing for the men yesterday, Dutch Sheets, earlier this week, his call, the the vision, the prophetic vision that has come forth, the call for men to lead in prayer this revival. The prophetic word that's come forward, if men will get engaged in prayer, we will see the spark for the third great awakening come in this nation. That's what it said. And that's what I'm placing my hope on. Tissues somewhere. Um, thank you, Pastor Ken. Y'all stretch your hand this way. They're, they're, they're in there. Hallelujah. Just, now let's give it a wave offering. No, this is good. Thank you. Um, You know, I'm trying to balance all this. And uh, even last week, I I thank God that you have your, your understanding to bring Hershel Walker in here. It's more than Georgia football. It's a big deal. What's happening? You know, we have a senator who's called a reverend who has gone on record who does not believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And many other things. Brothers, sisters, that's what Paul was talking about. I had one person say, why'd you bring him? And I said, because he asked me if he could come. That's why I brought him. I didn't go asking him. And I haven't, There may be scuttlebutt, but I haven't heard a single lick, not one lick of it. And we're we're trying to keep this, the balance of all this stuff. And so here, I think you know the level of intensity I'm running with and the level of spiritual focus I'm running. And the more focus I get, the more time I get in prayer, the more my heart breaks for where our nation is. And everybody listen to me. Now, since God's anointing on what I'm about to say, the Lord has shown me. There is a spiritual tsunami coming. The last two years, write down the words that I have said that God gave me prophetically and check them. I said, early, early, God's getting ready, God told me he's getting ready to expose everything and everyone, both good and bad. The second thing he said was, you're entering into a spiritual war, world war where the evil that has always been there Is getting ready to be manifested, and the Lord told me, "You're getting ready to see things you wished you'd, you hoped you'd never see, but you will see things you've only dreamt you would see." And here we sit, and I just tell you, brothers and sisters, get ready, Um, get in the game. The chips, things are looking up for the remnant church. A tsunami is coming where people are going to hunger for the Word of God like they never have before. And all of this stuff I just shared with you was to remind you in that same chapter what the promise is for those who are truly walking with the Lord. What does verse 14 say? It says this. Together... They will go to war against the Lamb, capital L. Everybody know who that is, right? Jesus. But the Lamb will defeat them because He is Lord of all lords and King of all kings. Hold on. And His called and chosen and faithful ones will be with Him. We, He will overcome... And so will we, because we are called, chosen. And in this church, come on somebody, we're going to be faithful till the end. Are y'all out there? We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Father. The Musicians will come quickly, please. So I want to close this this morning. I just, I want to do this again. And um, don't underestimate this. if you're here this morning and God is speaking to you, you, you're getting understanding. You're not going to be destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. The inverse of that is true, too. If you have knowledge, you're going to prosper. You're not going to be destroyed. But at the very end, it says, those who are called, chosen, and faithful, they'll overcome. I challenged the men yesterday challenged them hard. And I want to challenge each of you here this morning. If you're here this morning, you say, you know what, Pastor Chuck, I, 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 need, I need another dose. I, I, I needed to be reminded of all this and I need, I need an anointing on my life to remain faithful in this season. And if you're leaking oil or you're running low this morning, I want you to recommit to the Word of God When God says, remember last week, Pentecost Sunday, in Genesis 11, God said, go. And they didn't go. They stayed, and God separated them. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus, what did he say? Stay. And they didn't rebel against it. They stayed. Psalm says there's great reward in obeying the word. And what happened? Everything they lost in Genesis 11 came back. They got what the Bible calls Zephaniah 3.9. The perfect language was restored. Tongues was poured, the heavenly language. And they were in one place in one accord. And they didn't build something up. They humbled themselves and prayed and obeyed the word. And God sent something down. Hallelujah. If you're here this morning, you're going, I, I need something. I, I want to commit to being faithful. And some, I told the men yesterday, we're in a day. Don't be so blinded and disinterested that I'm going to go here. That you go, ah, I'll shop wherever. We're not boycott people, Candace and I are not. But there there are things I'm challenged with right now. Like, I I don't know if I can take my family to Disney right now. And that's just for me. And I'm not judging, trust me, I am not judging anybody who can. But if you are here and you go, I haven't even thought about it. I worry about you. You should at least go, can we do this? You should at least, or you might be, you might not have the knowledge you need. Because what Disney is promoting right now is absolute insanity. It's destruction. It's our little boys and girls getting to choose. Do they want to be a boy or a girl? They're redefining humanity. It's, it's absolute. The point is, do you have knowledge? And are you discerning? You ask the Lord, and the Lord will lead you. And I'm not. That's between you and the Lord. I'm just saying, We're in a day, I bring that that kind of example because I think in the apostate church, your heart can be seared and numb, and you don't see it anymore. So we want to be called, chosen, faithful. We're going to overcome. Come on, stand with me. You believe that? You love His Word? Come on, how many of you say, Pastor Chuck, I want to be faithful to the end. And listen, I want, I'm going to ask you to do something. I want everybody to put your hands down. Nobody, No eyes closed. Everybody looking around. Okay? If you're here and you go, you know what, I'm being convicted. i got to step up my faithful game. I want you to raise your hand. Hallelujah. Come on, hallelujah. If you mean that, May the Lord anoint you, brothers and sisters. May his power fall. Come on, now lift up the other hand, everybody. And let's just lift him up. Father, we are candidates for revival. As Pastor Mike said two weeks ago, one great thing every revival throughout history has had in common was great wickedness. Evil had metastasized in the culture. And the people of God went to praying like Daniel did in Daniel chapter 9. And we just thank you, Father, that you're going to send a revival, that there is a spiritual tsunami coming. There is an anointing that's going to fall upon our children and our children's children. They will live and not die. They will be anointed. You will be faithful to a thousand generations because in this church, we're building a wall, a spiritual wall of prayer and worship around our children and around this church. And we thank you, Father, that you are giving us the harvest Come on, in Jesus' name. Would you just tell the Lord, once again, I commit, as for me and my house, Father God, we're going to serve you. Come on, just tell him. Commit. Holy Spirit, now begin to speak to us about areas, doors that we need to close, spiritual windows that are cracked, things that we watch on TV or or areas that we let our nine-year-old innocent boy take his iPhone. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, may we not be destroyed by a lack of knowledge, but may we overcome, may we overcome through faith. And faith comes from hearing your word, obeying your word in the name of Jesus. We just praise you, Lord. How many of you sense just a little aroma of revival coming to our land in the name of Jesus? (laughs) Hallelujah. With all of this said, um, I want to call you to be in prayer on Tuesdays. If you can't do Tuesdays, come on Saturday mornings. If we can fill this place up with intense prayer, and I'm going to share with the men yesterday, God's calling me this fall to teach men and disciple men in a life of prayer. And I'm going to be a group. I'm not sure how many we're going to be able to handle. But I want you to get engaged. If you can be with us Tuesdays from 6 to 7, calling out in desperate prayer. I'm going to post on the church's Facebook page this right after the second service that prophetic word that came forth about the call for men to prayer. I've listened to it at least eight or nine times. And I just want to encourage all of you men, don't make your wife go, honey, if you listen to it, you need to listen to it. You need to listen to it again. You know, listen to it with an open heart. God's calling. Restoration Church. you going. Our men are leading. Our men are engaged. We're going to be a men of a church with men praying. Amen. Yes. So, Father, may the Lord bless you, keep you, make His face shine up on you, be gracious unto you, may he lift His countenance up on you, and give you peace. Come on, say it. I receive it. God bless you all. Have a good afternoon. I love you.